What's going on? Welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans are back on the road for two games in our nation's capital tonight as they'll take on the Washington Wizards. We have a great podcast for you on this Friday to end the week. It's a roundtable discussion with some of our beat writers who cover the team across all the platforms. We have Will Guillory, uh, who covers the team for The Athletic, Christian Clark for NOLA.com, Times Picking Advocate, and my co-host every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Jim Eikenoff for Pelicans.com. Guys, I think we're missing someone here. Um, maybe that that guy from ESPN, Andrew Lopez, who is uh, not with us right now, as he's supposed to be uh, 10 minutes later as we're waiting here, guys. Uh, are you surprised? Because I'm really not at this point with Andrew Lopez. It's a typical diva behavior is what I would say. I, I would say uh, if we had a, a locker room cancer in the Pels media, I would say Andrew Lopez would be at the top of the list. Media elites, am I right? <laughs> He's definitely part of the MSM. That's 100%. I, uh, I feel like it's time for the waiter to remove the, the fifth chair that was virtual chair that was supposed to be in this room. I feel like we've we've shown enough patience and he still hasn't arrived. So we're going to just tell tell the staff, you know, we're, we're not expecting him to show up at this point. So, so let's move forward. Yeah. That's I'm going to just enough. grab his water and put it in front of me now. That's fair enough. But guess what? He could appear at any time now during this podcast. So it could get off the rails a little bit if he does join us in the next 20 to 30 minutes, but you know, y'all do such a great job covering the team figured this would be a great opportunity here with 17 games to go to kind of Talk about the state of the team as there is 17 games to go and the Pelicans very much alive in the playoff picture. So I do want to start uh, with the play-in talk because there has been a lot of talk around the league about whether the play-in is a good idea. Obviously, it was part of the bubble last year. And for the Western Conference, it was the Blazers and the Grizzlies. This year, a little different. Seats 7, 8, 9, 10 are in the play-in. 7 has to play 8, 9 has to play 10. Winner moves on. I mean, it's a whole a whole idea, ideal here. Um, guys, I'll start with Will and I'll go around the room. Um, what do you make of the play? And I know the Pelicans are two games out of the Spurs now for 10. Um, what are your thoughts on the play in as the Pelicans are, are just a few games back here with 17 to go? Yeah, I mean, I love it. Uh, I think it's, it's an, been an excellent decision for the league to kind of incentivize teams like the Pelicans, where they are currently in the standards to keep on playing. I think this is right around the point in the season where in past years you would start seeing some of those back injuries mysteriously pop up or my hamstring hurts. I'm going to be out for the next four weeks. We, we saw a lot of those in the past. And now, I mean, there's no reason to stop playing if you're right there. And I think, you know, it, it gives teams opportunities uh, where if you got young players, Players and they, they didn't really get it together early in the year and you're starting to play better. Now you can continue riding and feel like you have something to play for. And we saw last year in the bubble that Portland Memphis game was really fun in the playing game. And I think uh, with two potential matchups on each side of the bracket, I, I think it's going to be really great for the league. And I love the fact that we're just not talking about tanking. I mean, who, who's really tanking in the league right now? Maybe three, four teams tops. Everybody else is in it. And I think that's good for the league. And it's good to see all of these really great players involved, like a Steph Curry, Zion Williamson, John Morant, all of these guys are in it. And I think it's fun to see these guys really have something to play for what about you christian i'll go over to you yeah i'm with will i I like it a lot i mean i think the nba got to a point where i mean tanking just kind of took over everything for like a month and a half of of the schedule and i mean will's right that you know nobody is sitting here talking about tanking and that's a great thing i mean i love that they they flattened those odds in the lottery um there's just so much talent in the nba and i mean i'm i'm cool with you know a few more teams being part of the picture 
after the regular season over. I mean, there's just so much talent in the league. Um, and it's, I think it's good that like these teams are, are playing for something. I mean, there's just, there's just nothing worse than talking about tanking. Jim? To tie into some of what these guys just talked about, um, I, I think it's definitely going to, and I don't even think we've seen it yet because we're still about a month left to go in the regular season. I don't think we've seen the full value yet of how much fun this is going to be and how much it's going to add to the last portion of the regular season. Um, one side note too, based on recent comments, can we have a moratorium as media on not asking anyone who's in seventh place about what they think about the play in round? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's kind of funny to think to, I feel like maybe we should on this podcast just to be fair and have address all sides and let everyone have a voice though, that, maybe next time we'll have like someone representing the seventh place team so that they can jump in and tell us why the plane is such a horrible idea. And just coincidentally, we happen to be in seventh place, <laughs> but, and also, I mean, obviously people know that I'm referring to Mark Cuban's comments when, when he talked about how it's so, so much of a burden that they have to play their guys or that they have to really push for seventh place my counterpoint to that would be, so wait, you're saying that if it was a normal season and pre-playing that you wouldn't, you wouldn't care. Like you'd be like, well, we're in seventh. Let's just, let's just stay there. And who cares if we're sixth? And that to me, that's exactly why the playing is good because you want to incentivize, incentivize teams in as many ways as possible to keep pushing and keep trying to win games. So I think in, in a weird way, some of those comments actually, to me, showed why the play-in is a good idea. And I agree with these guys, too, that it, I mean, I think it's great for the league and I, I love it overall. But I think we're going to love I think in general, maybe not the seventh place teams, but I think everyone else is going to love, love it even more as we get to watch the last few weeks of the regular season. Yeah, I think you're exactly right that we talk a lot about how the plan forces teams in 9, 10, 11 to keep playing, but it also forces team in 5, 6, and 7 to keep on playing. You guys can't stop either. You can't get comfortable. So you're exactly right. It forces the entire league to keep playing. And we know in the West, uh, you know, every little game matters and, you know, it's going to come down to the end. So you're exactly right. And think about some of the teams in the East right now, including tonight's opponent, the Wizards. Um, they would be, I think, too far out of eighth place for it to even matter at all. But as it is, they're one game out of 10th place. Um, they've benefited as have a couple other teams with the way the Bulls have really slumped lately, the team that's number 10 right now. So um, there, there's so many, I think there's going to be so few games. We'll see this play out over the next few weeks where it's two teams playing each other that have nothing to play for, which are the games that no one wants to watch at the end of the regular season. So I think that's a, a big plus. And tonight is a great example. Actually, this is one of the best examples you'll see of two teams that have so much more to play for than they otherwise would. And without the play in added to the, to mix. Single elimination games are just so fun too. I, was, I covered yeah. the nuggets when they had that, that game 82 against the Timberwolves. I mean, it was the last game of the regular season. It was basically whoever wins this game moves on to the playoffs. Um, I mean, you, you don't want to decide the whole postseason that way. You don't want this to turn into March madness, but I think just, you know, adding a little element of, of single elimination um, at, at the bottom, I think is only a good thing. I mean, I, I, there's, to me, there's like nothing more thrilling than like this one game, you know, decides whose season continues. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great point. Cause I, I know we all talk about, you know, with, with teams tanking as we get down the stretch here um, and when there's teams battling for playoff spots, it's like, Oh, well, this team's getting to play 
this team who's already in and has already secured their spot. So they're not going to play anyone, but now with not only have to worry about seven, eight, nine, ten, but if you are five and six, you can't worry about resting too many guys. And, and those games still matter down the stretch where teams that are nine and 10 that play those teams um, will actually, uh, you know, still be able to think, okay, well maybe this team could lose tonight because they are at full strength instead of uh, playing a team that's already, you know, checked out until the playoffs. So I think that's, uh, been the main thing, but you're right. I mean, of course, everyone's going to complain if you're in seventh right now and trying to hang on to that spot, but it is an interesting concept. And um, to get to my next point here with the play in tournament, you know, if you look at the standings for the, for the West right now, you know, Memphis is holding on to eight. The Warriors have jumped the Spurs now for ninth and San Antonio on the decline at 10. So if you're looking at the Pelicans and down the stretch here and whatever you know about the Spurs schedule, the Warriors schedule and the Grizzlies, which team are we keeping an eye on right now? Is the biggest thing right now the Spurs just to get in the tenth, or you know, when Memphis is tough schedule down the stretch, is there a realistic chance of and maybe even be maybe moving up farther than ten? What do you guys think? I'll start with Jim and then work my way around. Yeah, I think I've definitely shifted a little bit to more looking closely at San Antonio just based on the trends lately. I mean, Golden State's been struggling for a while, but lately they've been winning because Curry has been incredible, which is no surprise. So I would say the Spurs is probably the number one scoreboard watch I've had lately. And then Golden State's still in there, partly because the Pelicans still have three games head to head against Golden State. So, I mean, if they stay within a game or two of them in the standings, they have a, a excellent chance to make progress without needing help on the scoreboard. As we all know, I think most people have realized this from look, if you're looking ahead at the schedule a little bit, that Golden State has two games here back to back um, in the Smoothie King Center at the beginning of May. So, I mean, we talk about Christian makes a good point about, you know, single elimination games when we get to the play in, but I think there's a chance for some really fun games, even before we get to that point where you have head to head matchups. Um, the Pelicans also have a game coming up real soon next weekend against the Spurs. And then uh, there's one in May against Memphis. If that also is a, a tight race by that point. So it's, it's really, it's really interesting the way things are going and, but the Spurs, I think, is definitely maybe the focus right now. Just it seems like they've had a pretty extended stretch where they haven't played well. Go ahead, Christian. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Spurs are the one team they could be passed. Um, I mean, if you Tankathon has like the remaining strength of schedule, the Spurs have the the second hardest schedule of any team left in the NBA um, in terms of just like opponents' winning percentage. I think they've got Phoenix three times. Um, they might have the jazz twice. So they, they have a really hard road the rest of the way. Um, those, those games against golden state are going to be really interesting because uh, I think one of the things that has given the Pelicans issues this year are really good guards who could just shoot the three off the dribble. Like I'm thinking about Damian Lillard. Uh, the Warriors definitely have a guy who can do that. So those might be, uh, those might be some tough games. Well, you will. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, the Spurs were one of those teams who had a, a real tough COVID situation right before the All-Star break, and they had a couple games canceled. So they're going to have to make some of those games up, and, and I think that's going to be really tough during the back half of the schedule. We've talked about basically with every team how, you know, this last stretch of the season is just going to be brutal with the amount of games you have to play in a short window. And for those teams like a Washington, like a San Antonio, 
who have all of these games to make up, it, it's going to be even tougher. So I'm right there with Christian and Jim. I think uh, San Antonio is a team that that's really going to have a rough time uh, these past couple, these next couple weeks. I think, of course, they got Pop. Uh, they got DeMar DeRozan. Uh, they, they're tough as nails. They're going to be right there. But I think that's a team you got to keep an eye on. And, and I, I'm right there with Christian, Christian as well in, in that I think those, those three Warriors games are going to be huge, man. And I think uh, that he hit it right on the nail that that's going to be a specific test that this team has to pass because we talked about all year the three-point defense how many times have we seen teams hit 15 17 19 21 threes against this Pels team and then you got Steph Curry coming in he'll hit 10 by himself you know he's been doing that consistently as of late so you got to do a really good job containing him and, and we know that team even though they're not the same group they were a couple years ago they still got that championship pedigree they still got a championship coach uh, so they're going to be tough to, to kind of move when they kind of feel that playoff pressure rise because we know they're going to rise to the occasion. We got to see if guys like Zion and B.I. can do the same thing. But San Antonio is the team that, man, I feel sorry for any of these teams that have like five, six games to make up because it's just brutal. Uh, this back half of the schedule, just playing eight games and 12 nights, six games and nine nights. It's just tough, man, with all the COVID protocols. And, you know, it's really hard to get your guys up and make sure they're ready to play night in and night out. I'm glad you brought up the three-point shooting because I feel like that was obviously a main topic uh, yesterday or Wednesday, I should say, in the loss to the New York Knicks. But Pelicans won three in a row before that despite the lack of three-point shooting. So um, is that the main concern right now for this Pelicans team? Because I know everyone, you know, we fixate on sometimes the issues going on, but they did win three games in a row before that. But, you know, as we saw the stat um, the other day, as far as the the worst stretch of three-point shooting in this team's history – in the last five games, having haven't hit double digit threes in what seems like a very long time. And then, of course, allowing the Knicks to shoot over 50 percent from three. Is that the biggest concern with 17 games to go for this team? Or is there something else um, that really might be the, the biggest difference on whether this team can get in or, can, or not? And I will I'll start with you and go back around. Yeah, the, the, the two things are kind of linked is, is the three-point shooting and the health. Uh, I think they got to try to find a way to get some of these guards healthy. I, I wrote it in my piece on theathletic.com the other day, shameless plug, <laughs> that, uh, you know, if you count Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart, Alonzo uh, Ball, and J.J. Redick, that's more than 50% of the total threes the Pels have made this year, uh, just out of the lineup, just gone. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just a lot to deal with, especially when you have a team where so much attention is paid to Zion Williamson. He's constantly seeing two, three guys, and you know those wide-open shots are available, but your shot makers just aren't there to make teams pay. And, you know, you're dependent on guys like Najee Marshall, James Johnson, Wes Awundu to make these shots. And those guys have played well, uh, you know, in the minutes they've been given us especially James Johnson. We all love the 3XT King, uh, James Johnson, what he's doing. But, uh, I mean, it's a lot to ask of these guys. And you saw against the Knicks. I mean, I think we've seen teams throw crazy coverages as I am before. But, I mean, it was crazy the way they were just – parking four people in the lane every time he had the ball and just saying you're gonna have to pass it I mean Zion still made it work he ended up with 25 points he shot over 50 percent because he's Zion and it doesn't matter what you do but uh, I think he, he worked so hard for those 25 points just because of the bodies he had to go through and I think you're going to see more and more of that if these guys can't knock those shots down so I think the big thing is you got to make shots but you also got to get your shot makers in there so you can make some shots and we heard from David Griffin yesterday that Lonzo should be back soon they're hoping Nikhil and Josh may be back you know the latter part of the schedule 
But until you get some guys in there who can knock those shots down, I think you're going to see teams commit even more to saying, hey, anybody but Zion, anybody but B.I., and you're going to have to live with the results. What about you, Christian? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Will's right. Um, you know, the health and three-point percentage are, are the biggest concerns um, here in the next couple of games. I actually think the defense has gotten a little bit better as the season has gone along. Like, I thought that that went over Boston. You know, I came away thinking, wow, this team actually defended really well. And then kind of all the injuries started. I mean, I, even even since then, I think, you know, they've showed signs of being better on defense. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, getting their shooters back is definitely the biggest thing for this team right now. And how crazy is it that we're in this situation thinking, man, they really need Lonzo ball back because they need somebody to make outside shots. Like what if you just told somebody that a year and a half ago, um, this, the improvements he's made as an outside shooter are really impressive. I think, uh, you know, completely changed the mechanics of his shot. Um, I think you have to have a lot of respect for what he's done. Um, I mean, he's unquestionably, I, I think the Pelicans most reliable three-point shooter this season. And I mean, that's just a, a crazy place considering where, you know, Lonzo started his career out. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a, a testament to the work that Fred Vincent has done as far as just the insane amount of improvement that Lonzo Ball has made. And also Brandon Ingram. I mean, we had a stat last season that he was one of the most, he had one of the biggest jumps in free throw shooting from year to year in the history of the NBA, uh, Brandon Ingram. So it's been it's been amazing to see the strides that those two guys have made in the brief amount of time that they're here. Um, to tie together what what Christian and Will both talked about a little bit, I think um, the the three point shooting obviously that they they mentioned. I don't need to really add to that, but the three point defense as well. If you if you look at what what's happened at both ends of the floor in that area of the game. Um, the Pelicans have been outscored by almost 25 points per game just on three-pointers over the last five games. So I think that's a big key in concern right now. It seems like when that happens, you have to beat the other team in so many other areas to be able to still win the game. And they were able to do that a few times, as we mentioned pretty early in the podcast. But it's just a tough task to ask a team that's getting you know outscored in that one area by so much on such a consistent basis. Um, they, they were outscored by 13 three-pointers in one of the games and then 11. The Knicks made 11 more three-pointers in the Pelicans the last game, and they weren't able to overcome that. So um, that's one of the things that I'm going to write about on pelicans.com <laughs> is just closing the gap. <laughs> that they have to, there has to be a way that they can not um, – you, you know, it's okay sometimes, I guess, if, you, if the other team makes more threes, but you just can't have these huge differentials the way it's been in a lot of games lately. So I guess all we need now is Christian Clark to plug one of his articles and we'll have a sweep here before the end of the podcast. Um, I'm going to start with you, Jim, because you, you talked about the other day as far as the Pelicans record, um, I think since the Boston game or maybe even earlier when B.I. and Zion are playing together because um, this team was starting to roll a little bit. And as my Zoom says, I have 10 minutes to go, so we'll make this very quick. Just those two together and, you know, these two are the future of this franchise. What have you seen from them that they've been able to complement each other and really help this team get to where they are right now, despite all the injuries. Yeah, I think they're definitely making more strides. And even though we like to complain when the fourth quarter doesn't go well or the last few minutes, I do think that they've made progress and they've won some close games lately. I think the stat that I had was, I think I'd have to ch double check this, but I think they're nine and the Pelicans are nine and four in the last 13 games that both of them have played. So even though they went through a little bit, the team went through a little bit of a slump there. 
I mean, part of it obviously was BI wasn't on the court for those five straight games. So um, I'm encouraged by the, the way that they've played and just the team overall. Um, the, there's going to be, I know we, we didn't, haven't gotten into this yet, but I'm curious to see the, the very end of the regular season when they have a five game road trip all against teams. I think right now that are going to have something to play for to see how they do during that stretch. And I think that'll be big. Hopefully that's not, you know, the beginning of saying, okay, now we're going into the off season. Hopefully they have more games to play after that. But I think that'll be a big test, not only for the team overall, but also those two guys that that five game trip is really going to be, hopefully going to be really interesting. What about you, Christian? I think what's been impressive about what they've done this season is, you know, they score a lot and they both score efficiently and they're not easy baskets or looks that they get. I mean, a, a lot of the time, the floor is pretty cramped. I mean, that game against the Knicks was a real extreme version of like the lack of spacing that we're talking about, but they're able to score really efficiently without like optimal spacing. I think, um, I mean, they're just really, really gifted offensive players. I mean, I think, you know, Zion with the ball in his hands, that's a role that makes sense for him. Um, Brandon Ingram is a guy, you know, you can put the ball in his hands, especially with bench units and your offense will be okay. Um, so, I mean, I think those are all good things. I think, you know, the biggest thing for those guys is what Stan Van Gundy has been saying all season um, to, to, you know, get to the playoffs and start making deep runs. Um, I think they've just got to become a, a little bit more consistent defenders. And uh, I mean, I, I think it's, I don't want to say it's admirable, but I mean, you know, when Stan Van Gundy got hired, like what people said was he'll hold the stars accountable. And I think you could say he's doing that. Like he's not, shying away from that at all um that's that's what you hired him to do and he's doing it so I'm interested to see you know what this team looks like at the defensive end next year with like a real training camp and, and practices and all that yeah and I think for me uh I think it's really impressive how they've really made it a commitment to to figuring out how to work together uh, I think last year after Zion came back from that knee injury you can kind of look at the game logs and see hey Zion played well B.I. didn't play well B.I. played well, Zion didn't play well. And it was always kind of this feel that, you know, is the offense running through Zion? Is the offense running through B.I.? And I think this year they've really made a commitment to figuring out how to work together. And now it's not even a discussion anymore about how well they fit together. Can they make the offense work? I mean, they've been one of the best offenses in the league all year with both of those guys producing at a high level. And I think it says a lot, you know, obviously about Zion's growth and also B.I.'s understanding that, hey, this guy is great <laughs> talking about Zion and I, I've got to allow him to do him. And I was the all-star last year, but I got to take a little bit of a step back and allow Zion to take control of this offense. And we've really seen them take off since then. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, they've got an incredible number of games where both of them have scored 20 points. They lead the league in games where both of them score 30 in the same game. Uh, so I, I think it's really promising for this franchise that your two stars know how to play together and know how to produce at a high level at the same time. And I asked B.I. that the other night and he said they have discussions during the game where Zion will say, hey, I got the mismatches. Uh, let me get going here. Or B.I. will say, hey, I got a good matchup over here. Let me get going. And they can have those discussions during games. And again, you got to give Stan Van Gundy some credit because he made a point in the, early in the season to say, hey, I got to get these two guys in the room and we've got to 
kidding. Though. We got to get on the same page. We got to be able to see this film and understand that we're looking at the same thing. And I think those film sessions and playing together during the course of this year, you see the progress. And I think those guys are, have been a great complement to each other. And it's kind of eased maybe the little bit of tension you had last year where there wasn't an understanding of how they can work together. I think they work together amazingly this year. Should be interesting down the stretch, 17 games to go. Pelicans just a couple games back of the San Antonio Spurs for the 10th spot in the West. Um, these guys give you all the great coverage. Pelicans.com with Jamaican and Offer. NOLA.com with Christian Clark and TheAthletic.com with Lil, Will Guillory. Make sure to follow all of their work here as we're coming down to the home stretch tonight, 6 p.m. Central Time. Pelicans and Wizards from our nation's capital. You can watch it on Valley Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans on 100.3 FM. With pregame coverage starting at 5.30. Guys, I did get text from Andrew Lopez. It is an excused absence as he had some things he had to get uh, take care of this morning. So we are going to let him off the hook. But uh, we'll have to do this again before the season because it was fun. And uh, maybe we'll get all, all five of us together and, and have a good chat. I appreciate the time as always. Absolutely. I'm and when we get back on the road, uh, he has to he has to pay for our first Piazza Italia tab. That's his payback it. for missing the Zoom session. I think it's paid for all of them when we get back there, including our Nike shoes and every, every, just the whole Portland trip is on Andrew Lopez next. I, I definitely agree with that. Hopefully we can get back on the road soon because that's certainly a fun time. Guys, I appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for this Friday's edition of the Pelicans podcast. So everyone has a great weekend. Stay dry during the rain that apparently won't ever end here in New Orleans. And until Monday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CQ.